0: The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. I think it's off. Here we go. Uh, Let's pray. We're going to jump in. Uh, I'm going to keep the word a little short today uh, because we've had other things going on. Uh, but uh, it is important, and stay focused because I'm gonna give you guys a chance to interact with it at the end, uh, not live and in person, but a chance to take something home for interaction that I think is gonna be important uh, for not only your life, but for lives around us that God wants us to reach. So, Father, I just give this time to you, and I ask that you would uh, do what you want with it, Lord, in our hearts, and then through our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Hebrews twelve one through three. Uh, I'm going to go through some of this a little bit uh, quickly. Again, I hope to get through most of it. If not, uh, I may just do to be continued. But Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, talking about people of the faith that have gone through struggles, challenges, difficulties before us, uh, but endured, it says, This cloud of witnesses let us throw off every encumbrance, and the sin that so easily entangles us. It's saying we're supposed to throw off. Okay, this isn't talking about just kind of like, well, you know, this thing's kind of like holding me back or, well, this thing's kind of a struggle in my life, so I'm gonna just kind of hopefully just kind of move off from it. No, it's a throw off. What it actually means is like a violent, aggressive throwing away. It's like ripping it off and just throwing it out. It's saying throw it off. It's talking about two things, encumbrances as things in life to hold us back, for moving forward in God's plan and purpose for our life. And the other one is sin, which is things through temptation that cause our heart and our mind to want to do things differently than how God would have us to do them. Both. Some things are sin in themselves, and some things are just, they're not really sin, they just kind of hold me back well, it's not really sin, you know. Just one example, and I'm not gonna pick on this a bunch, but just one example I often hear is, oh, I know there's some things that, you know, God's called me to do, and, you know, I probably should watch a little less shows, you know. I probably should stay up and do, you know, watch a little less Netflix or be a little bit less in this, you know, entertainment and maybe put a little bit more time into that. That that would be an encumbrance. That's not necessarily a sin, but it's an encumbrance. It's holding me back from moving forward. And it's saying to throw some of these things off that hold us back. If it's interfering with the call and the purpose that God's put on your life to throw it off, to throw the sin off, it so easily entangles us. It's not just you, it's everybody. It's easy. It's an easy way to get trapped. And it says, let us run with endurance. The race set out for us. Not mosey along, but run. Run, like move forward. What's God called you to do? So many times people get to the end of their life and they say, man, there's some things God put in my heart and I wish that I had put more focus and energy onto doing some of those things. I wish I had started. I wish I had gone after it. I wish that, and then it's too late. Life's over. There's a lot of things that there's grace for. There's a lot of things that, man, I did this sin. I asked forgiveness and God forgave it. But time is one thing that we just don't give back. God gives every person. There's a lot of amount of time in our life. Say, man, I've got to go after it. I've got to say, no, this is important. I'm going to pursue what God's given me to do. And it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, here's where we're gonna focus most of this time that we spend this morning. The author and perfecter of our faith. Other translations say the author and the finisher or the completer of our faith. In other words, he writes a story of our faith. He's an author, he writes a book of our life. And guess what he does? He finishes it. Has anybody ever started writing something? Any any authors in here that started to write? Anybody ever started to write something and then you didn't finish? Anybody? Okay. Jesus finishes what he starts. He starts it and then he takes it all the way to the end. And then when he's all done, he puts a period and then the, the end. Have you ever been to a movie and halfway through the movie, the projector just turns off? Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened. Where it's like something went wrong with the tech and it just stopped. My wife's the worst with this. You can watch a show. It doesn't matter how terrible the show is, how awful the show is. It doesn't matter. And I don't mean terrible like it's like graphic violence or, or some terrible thing. And I just mean like it could be the most boring, hyperventilating, I've got to get out of here. This movie's suffocating me to death with the sheer boredom of it. It doesn't matter what it is. Once you hit play, it has to be finished. She has to get to the end of it. It doesn't matter. It has to, you have to get there. And I'm like, oh, so you gotta read the back, you gotta know what you're getting into, you gotta have a full entire, like, okay, if I push play with this woman, <laughs> we're finishing this movie. What time is it? What's the theme? What's it about? Like, I might even pre watch it just to make sure I wanna watch it. Like, I gotta know. But there's some people that don't finish, God finishes. Whatever he started in your life, you might not be a finisher, but God is a finisher. You might be a quitter. God is not a quitter. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Praise God that your ultimate future doesn't just depend on you. Depends on God who is at work within you. It's not just if you have the strength, the tenacity, the perseverance. There's an author that started the story of your life And you might wake up some mornings and look in the mirror and say, Man, I think I'm a loser. Do you know what? You might be. Honestly, you might be. You might be a failure. You might blow everything in your life. You might not have never finished anything. You might be a quitter. You might not be smart enough. You might not be good enough it's really not relevant. What's relevant is that God chose you. The whole reason you're sitting here is because God looked down from heaven and said, I want that one. I want to be a part of that one's life. I want to move in that one's life. I want to work in that one's life. And he came down and he brought you forward and he started to love on you and started to care for you and started to work with you. And then you panic and freak out and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm good enough for the life that you're giving me. Guess what? That's because you're not. You're not. I'm standing up here preaching. And I literally used to actually, literally hide in my closet with social anxiety. Every step of the way that God moves me forward in my life, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Every time it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. Oh my God, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, you can't. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm with you. That's why I said I'll never leave you. That's why I said I'll never forsake you. That's why I said that I'm always here. The Bible says even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. At his core, he's faithful. So he started writing the story of your life. He's weaved things together. He's brought pieces together that were totally out of your control. If you look back at your life, some of the best things that ever happened to you that have actually caused you to change, caused you to move, caused you to grow, they had nothing to do with your effort man, I've tried so hard. But if you took out all of your trying and you looked at just the most significant moments of your life that caused your life to really just, boom, make a change and start to do, somebody else was more involved probably than you were. Something else happened. You got adopted like John or somebody like me put you in the back of their car at three in the morning, passed out drunk and drove you to a pastor's house or or somebody stepped into your life and said, you know what, I'm gonna move you this direction because God sent them. Or maybe you are just driving in your car and you turn on a radio and music starts to play. And all of a sudden you start to understand and feel the presence of God. And you start crying. You're like, why am I crying? Turn your windshield wipers on. It's not the window, it's me. I'm crying. And you don't know why, but God starts moving on your heart. Why? Because God is actually at work in your life, trying to change your life. and be forward. So he's the author. Okay, that's what it talks about in Hebrews. It sets him out that way. Then it goes on, it says the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't consider yourself in order to stay strong. Don't consider, I think I can do it, I can make it, I'm gonna pull myself up. Don't consider yourself to stay strong, consider Jesus to stay strong. Consider the author and the finish of your faith. Consider the person writing my story isn't done yet. I still have faith in him. I still believe in him. I still know that he's taking me somewhere. He's not going to leave me alone so that you don't grow weary. So here's a paraphrase of the same passage. Get the power to throw off whatever keeps you from finishing your story by focusing on Jesus as he unfolds the incredible story of your life. This will keep you from giving up. You consider Jesus is at work in my life. Jesus has moved in my life. Jesus is still moving in my life. Jesus still has a picture for my future. Jesus still has a plan for me. I might be in a struggle right now, but I know he's still taking me somewhere. We're not done yet. We're going, we're getting there. The question is, what is your story? Every story has, a, has parts to it, right? It has an intro, a beginning, Right? Where did you start at? John said, Well, when I hear testimony, I think of like, you know, before Jesus, and then I got saved, and then there's Jesus, and then afterwards. And, well, when you look at the stories of the Bible, it doesn't start there. It starts usually before that. Like we look at the story of Moses, right? It started with the persecution from outside. And actually, the Egyptians were having all of the, all of the Israelite babies. All of these babies were being being murdered at the birth stool, just being murdered there, so they didn't become too many and overthrow the kingdom. So they're like, if any boys are born, kill them right there. But that's where the story started. And Moses was sent down the river in a basket. Moses was actually adopted. Moses was raised. Moses had two moms. Moses became a deliverer. But his story didn't start at just some conversion moment out in the wilderness when he saw a burning bush and oh, God's talking to me. His actual story started way before that, Because right? God was already at work. God already knew. God knew the struggle. God knew the pain. God knew the, the mistakes and the failures. God knew all that. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God doesn't like, oh, man, if... Boy, if faith ever comes to know me, if faith ever just walks in the door and starts coming to church, then I'm gonna think about faith. Then I'm gonna care about faith. Then I'm gonna get involved in faith's life. No, even while faith was yet a sinner, she never sins anymore. Talk about when, while, back then. But even back then, before she was perfect, God was thinking about her. God was a part of her life. God was wanting to move her forward. God was in her story. Even when she didn't know how to do it, when you open a book and you read it, right, this character is developing throughout the story. How much does that character have really to do with it? If the author stops writing, what happens to the character? It stops being. If God pulled himself out of your life, you literally, you would just stop. Your progress would stop because it's his power that's at work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. It's not your own strength. His strength to make perfect in your weakness. If he pulled his strength out of what you're doing, you would just be done. Begin to go backwards. In fact, if he actually literally pulled his complete self out, your life would stop because he is the one that brings life and gives life. Colossians talks about that. He was before all things and in him all things are held together, including our actual lives. And so it's his involvement. It's his connection. But what's your story? Where did it start? What did you go through? What kind of family did you come through? What kind of circumstances? You know, you start a movie and everything's happy. Woo! And then all of a sudden, some kind of nemesis comes in. There's a big conflict. There's something going on. There's like a struggle. Are you in the intro where everything is like, woo? Or are you like in the middle of the struggle? Are you wondering, like, is somebody going to come rescue? Are we going to win? Is, am I just going to get destroyed? Is my marriage going to get destroyed? Is my mind going to get destroyed? Are my kids going to get destroyed? Like, I'm still, I'm, I'm right here. I'm in the grip of the worst part of the struggle. Maybe you're there. Eventually, it moves from there into a place where the hero starts to come in and the victory starts to happen. And then there's a battle and then it comes to an end. And like all the movies are, are the same. Even romantic comedies are the same. Everything's woo, and then they meet, and then there's a struggle, and then they lose each other. And then suddenly there's a heroic moment where they win them back over. Like, they're all the same. But our lives are the same. We go through this intro, and we go through a struggle, and then we go through a time where there's a victory that comes in. Maybe you're in a victory stage. Maybe that's happening in your life, but there's this whole story that God writes in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3, Why is God writing a story in our lives? Why is he doing it? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. God is not looking at your life as a personal diary. He's not looking at my life as a personal diary. Let me read this again. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Known and read by everyone. The story that God is writing in your life is intended to be an open letter to the world about who He is, about how He loves, about how He cares you are an addict, guess what? Your life is an open letter to how God loves the addict and sets him free. You are lonely and isolated, without hope. Your life is meant to be an open letter that God sets the solitary into families. If you were someone who's done horrible things, like Paul, who was dragging people out of their homes and having them stoned, killed, doing some horrible things. Man, if everybody knew, your life is meant to be an open letter of God's forgiveness and grace and restoration and the changing of a life. It's not meant to be private. It's meant to be open for people to see, for people to read, the people that go, oh, that's what God's like. Sometimes we invite people to church and they're like, well, I couldn't go to church. I'm like, man, I've been inviting that person for like five years and they'll never come. Do they know that you were just as much of a wreck as they were? Do they know that you struggle like they struggle? Or do they just think that you're the, the super fitness freak that's inviting them to the club to work out? The spiritual fitness person. Like, wow, I see you read your Bible. I know you go to church. I know you're so excited. And now you're inviting me to church. I don't think I can keep up. I'm never going to come. Or do they realize, man, this person's got some struggles, man? They get cramps, they fall off the treadmill, they need help. They go stand on the stair machine and never push start. They just watch ESPN. (laughs) Did you go to the club today? I sure did. I was there for an hour. Wow, how many steps did you get in? I don't know. I had my watch off. I left it in my bag. I see a lot of those at the club. Maybe they don't realize that you're in a struggle with them. Maybe they don't realize that I'm in a struggle with them. Maybe they don't realize that believers are just people trying to follow Jesus that are going through some struggle, that have their own story. But God's purpose in writing in our lives is for it to be read by other people. It's not just about us. Show that you are letters from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Romans ten thirteen to 15. I, want you to, I just want you to hear this and listen to this. Because what I'm going to ask after this. I mean, honestly, most of you, if I just thought in the natural, most of you aren't going to do it anyway. So it's a wasted Sunday morning. I don't say that rudely or meanly. I just, that's just, statistically, that's just, a, that's just the truth. But I'm going to ask you to break the statistical norm. Listen to what I'm about to share. And then just challenge yourself to say, do you know what? I can do this. I can do this. Okay, here we go. Romans 10, 13 to 15. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to to save them unless they believe in him? Right? You have to believe, call upon the Lord, and you're saved. Wow, that's simple. Right? easy. But how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? I can, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How would they know? How would they know? How would they know that God can come in and set someone free from social anxiety that has them hiding in a closet? Unless someone who used to hide in a closet comes out and says, I used to hide in my closet, I had social anxiety, and God brought me out and delivered me. Praise God. How would they know that God can restore a marriage that's on the rocks, completely broken, it looks great on Instagram and Facebook, but the minute that the cameras are off, it's a war zone. How can they know that God can restore that unless somebody comes out and says, hey, my marriage was on the brink. It was a disaster. We weren't even staying in the same home, but God came in and saved us, rescued us, and brought forgiveness. How can they know that somebody who's struggling with some trauma in their life from sexual abuse or from some other great trauma that they've been through can be delivered and set free and find peace and wholeness? The anxiety and the fear and the brokenness and the bitterness can be taken away unless somebody comes out and says, hey, that was my story. But God set me free from that, and he touched my life, and he changed me. How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Who's had a pedicure before? Keep them up. Keep them up. Mandela, I knew you'd be up. I knew that. Lucas. Um, All right, I wasn't going to show you this, but I'm going to show you anyway. My wife's out of town. I'll just show you. Watch this. How beautiful are the feet? (laughs) Look at that. That That's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. He's looking like, what kind of church am I in right now? What are you doing, Pastor? (laughs) Like I'm a mean, lean boxing machine, ready to throw down, and Pastor's up here preaching with bright pink toenails. You know what? That's because my wife's out of town, and I am the single father of a three-year-old temporarily. And the only way to get through a day is to sit down and let her paint my nails. (laughs) Praise God. But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. The feet, the reason why it picks the feet is that's about the ugliest part of the body. It's ugly. They stink. Toes are ugly. If you let your toenails grow by themselves, they don't do good things. And yet, even those become beautiful when you're bringing the good news. God wants us to bring the good news. He doesn't want ugly feet in heaven. He wants us all to show up with our feet looking good, looking nice. You get to the door. He's going to look down at the book to see if your name's in it, and what he's actually doing is looking over the book (laughs) to just see how your feet are. If you got ugly feet, he just goes, "Nope, don't see you in here. Don't see you in here. And he just turns a page. You're like, I I swear I'm saved. Nope. Nope. I mean, the streets are gold. That's beautiful streets. You don't want ugly feet on beautiful streets. It's going to be nice. God wants us to share our story. What could possibly keep us from sharing our stories about the goodness of God? What could stop us? There's really only a few things. Fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God's love casts out fear. When we receive his love and love others enough to care about them more than ourselves, fear goes away. Pride. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I don't know of many more. Maybe there's a couple other ones. But there's verses for those too. Because he wants us to share so that people know who he is, so people know, know about him. Well, I know my story's not done. It's still being written. I'm still a bit of a mess. Yes! So am I. I still get mad sometimes. I still make mistakes sometimes. My wife and I don't always have an Instagram marriage. Sometimes we have a close the door. Don't let the kids in here because they don't want to hear what we're about to say marriage. Sometimes we don't always do everything perfect. But that's part of the story is it not only was I dependent upon God to save me, I'm, cons- I'm totally dependent on him to sustain me. And if I'm going to get to heaven, I'm going to be dependent on him all the way to the door. And I'm going to have to get in with him by my side because I ain't getting in there by myself. That's the story. So going to this last slide, this is where I'm praying that you guys will help me to some, find some statistics here. Okay, you can see that QR code up there. Okay, if you scan that, what it will take you to, you scan it, it'll pop up a little yellow thing. You can click on the little yellow thing. It's going to take you to a link. That link allows you to hit a button, and it's going to open up. It's going to ask you, what's your story? And you can hit go, and it will start recording it. I've already started the webpage. i got about eight of them on there now. We've got a beat church slash testimonials. And my goal is to get everybody on there. What's your story? What's your story? What's your story? And then I already have cards made in faith, believing that everybody's going to join me. And all the cards say is they're just the beat church logo and they just say, hope lives here. And it's just a QR code that people can scan. And when they scan it, it just takes them to a page full of stories about the goodness of God, that there's hope. And our world needs hope. Our world doesn't just need to be invited to religion. It needs to know that God can do something in my life because he's done something in some other broken lives. It needs to hear stories like John's, right? Not even just not to have an abortion, but to adopt and to love and to care for people and to see a life that's been saved and now is saving other lives. It needs to be able to be a story that gets out so that other people can have hope. This whole room is full of stories of the goodness of God, of God's incredible grace, of his forgiveness, of his strength, of his empowerment. And people out there need to hear that, not just hear that they're doing something wrong and they need to get into a church so they can learn how to do something Right? They need to learn about Jesus, about who he is, about what he does. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask you as I pray to just really think and say, Lord, you've written a story in my life, and I just want to share your story. Give me the the confidence and the boldness to just push a button and let my phone record my story so we can share it and tell other people, man, God has been good to Alan. God's been good to Ray. God's been good to Kristen and to Fred and Jason and Michael. That We can get the stories out so people can see what God can do in their life. Father, I pray right now that you would just move in our hearts, Lord. Help us, God, to Lord, not keep our life as a diary. Lord, to just say, you know what? I'm going to open it up. I'm going to have the humility to open it up and be an open letter to the goodness of God. Father, that you would receive glory through our story. In Jesus' name, amen." amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. And I look forward to seeing some of those videos. I'm gonna post this on Facebook too so you can get the link if you missed it with your phone today. And hey, let's get the word out about the God we serve, amen? You guys have a good week. There's some food and some refreshments down the hall. Stick around and make some friends.